Hey guys, just before we get into it, we would like to acknowledge our podcast partners in Beyond Blue. If you're feeling low, anxious, or need to talk to someone, please contact the people at Beyond Blue. Their phone number is 1300 224 636. You can visit them on the website as well at www.beyondblue.org.au forward slash get support. Enjoy the episode. Thanks, guys. Hello and welcome to the Listics AFL podcast. I'm your host, John Van Norden, and I'm here as always with Sean Lewis. Sean, how are you doing this week, mate? Going well, Johnny. Going very well, mate. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be back on the podcast after a brief interlude. Yes, um, so obviously we've been releasing episodes, um, and the episodes are always coming out, but those were recorded a couple of weeks back. Um, I've been on a week of leave away from the mic, um, so it's nice to be back in. Yes, um, and we're gonna we're gonna kick off um, with a bit bit of a like a sort of an inter episode. So this will be a, a news episode as well as uh, an episode for some of our um, Twitter Twitter followers. So spoilers um, are always a big fan of the podcast and yep. big supporters of Listics uh, asked us to put together a 2019 uh, draft prospect uh, fantasy draft, like long term keeper league fantasy draft board. So. Um, a lot of their drafts are coming up at the moment. Uh, so this they're, is they're about to enter their trade period. I think. So. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They're about to enter their trade period pre-draft. Um, and what we need to be able to do is talk about the 2019 prospects in a fantasy sense, which obviously has some relevance to to football, but it's more relevant to uh, who's going to be high-scoring fantasy players long-term uh, and who's going to play sooner rather than later. Uh, the long-term yeah. key position prospects typically aren't your fantasy friendlies, um, yes. but they, they'll still be picked up somewhere. Uh, this yeah. is more talking about the guys that are fantasy relevant from day one. Yep, absolutely. Um, before we dig into that, um, we'll just quickly touch on some of the, the news. Um, today was uh, saddened by the news of uh, Polly Farmer, the great Geelong um, champion, passed away. Um, also... Um, a First Nations icon, I guess, of, of AFL, uh, was the first uh, Indigenous coach um, of any AFL side, um, coached Geelong for three years, uh, he's 84, um, so obviously uh, made it a fair while, and you know, just an absolute champion of the game, kind of established uh, what rucking was from, from kind of the 60s right through until it started to change in the early 90s, so... You know, was kind of the first of his type and, and an absolute champion of the game. So, uh, Vale Polly, and um, yeah, hopefully his family's uh, is sticking together and doing all right. Yeah, absolutely fantastic player. So we're like recording this on Wednesday, the fourteenth of August. Um, so um, I'm not sure. Sometime in the next couple of days, I'll release this episode. Um, but de- definitely um, huge fan of Polly Farmer and, and the work that he did. And I think I saw one of the journalists saying today that. Um, one of the big things missing from AFL, and I tend to agree, is just a, an archive of highlights um, from particular players. And the fact that you're not able to jump on and see any Polyfarmer highlight reels and just say, okay, then this is why this player was great, um, is like it, it's. I mean, it's fine, but it would be great if you could do that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think Channel Seven does have a lot of that history. Yeah, because um, I mean, they'll be running tonight on the news. I'm sure they'll be definitely will be running some highlights of him playing. It's um, just probably the AFL need to buy the rights to it. AFL.com.au yeah. um, need to buy the rights to all of that. 
Um, next news piece is that um, there's been a bit of rumours. So it was rumoured a couple of weeks ago that Dale Thomas was going to sign a new contract with Carlton. Um, the new rumour out is that he's not going to be offered a new contract. I'm not really sure if this is um, great, where if this is a great source, because I feel like Dale Thomas is definitely something that somebody that should be re-signed based on form um, experience and the fact that he's still a clearly best 22 player um, at Carlton and has a lot more to offer. Um, But we just wanted to touch on maybe a couple of different places for him if if he's going to move on. Yeah, look, I I think this if this rumor is, and look, we I guess we don't like talking about rumors, but given that we we um, we spoke about Carlton in our last round of episodes. Yep. Um, and we did suggest that they should re-sign him. Um, I guess we're more touching on it to to say we, we strongly believe that they should be re-signing Daisy Thomas. He, uh, I mean, this season's one of his better seasons in the last few. He's averaging 20 touches in the back line, uh, five tackles, um, doing very well for them, especially considering they're down. Um, obviously, Sam Doherty as a leader. Um, Cade Simpson's another year older. Even though Daisy's still over 30, he's a lot younger than Cade Simpson, and, and Simpson's had that real drop-off in form this year, and I felt that, that Daisy Thomas has been a real step forward. And given Carlton's list position there, I think we said it last week, they, they don't need to be um, just axing older players to get young blood in. Their, their list is young enough. They, they really need that experience to help guide. So um, it's a little bit disappointing that potentially this is being talked about and, and I'd like to see them um, still re-sign him and, and we won't know until it's actually come out from the club. But I guess looking at possible homes, um, I know you've suggested Gold Coast as a, yeah. as a good one and I think that's a really good suggestion. So Dave Swallow came out this week and said that they would be open to... like I mean, he, he feels the need for a Luke Hodge-style recruit where they go and... Um, find a senior experienced player to help them with leadership that can just lock down a role for the next two to three years. Um, and obviously there isn't any other Luke Hodges in the league. Luke Hodges was the best leader of the last 15 years. So you can't just go and get the the best leader. There is no other best leader. Yeah. Um, but Dale Thomas was uh, has been in the leadership group at clubs before. Um, he's very experienced and you can tell when he's on the field that he's very vocal um, and he's played in a premiership in, in plenty of finals campaigns, uh, would slot in perfectly down uh, down back, uh, and he also could go back to a bit more of his bleach blonde um, <laughs> original Dale Thomas looks um, if he moved up to the Gold Coast, which I would like to see. I mean, yeah. the, the reason for me this one is I, I'm, I'm slightly worried about the news is just as well because of what we saw with Brendan Goddard last year, who was clearly... Are still good enough to play best 22 football at pretty much every football club in the AFL uh, and didn't get a contract um, offer. He might have got a contract do- a call from a couple of clubs, but yeah. um, didn't end up finding a new home. And I, I sort of worry that that's going to end up happening to veterans that definitely have two more, two to three more years of really good football in them uh, and they just don't get another contract. So I do hope that another club picks him up. Yeah, look, it's, it's a real strange one, I guess, given that... Um, you know, over the course of many years, we've seen so many clubs go and do this. Um, and more often than not, it doesn't work out well. Like, the, I guess, the overwhelming um, results of, of, of axing veterans who have played 200, 250 games um, 
early, earlier than their form warrants, has um, has shown to be very detrimental to a lot of sides. Yeah, well, I mean, Essendon could use Brendan Goddard right now. Yeah, and and so in that in that same vein, I reckon another club that you know wouldn't be too bad for Daisy to fit into would be St Kilda. Yep. Um, I think down back, I mean, in the combination with, with Carlisle and Nathan Brown. Do you think that they would accept him after the Torps in the 2010 Grand Finals? <laughs> oh, look, I think um, I think everyone forgives eventually. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I think that, that might be another possible home for him. It would really help um, solidify their back line a bit more. Um, what, about, what about the Ds? Like yeah, like, I mean, maybe, look, I, if, if Nev Jetta is going to be injury, he, that's the role he's, he's competing for. So. Yeah, I'd, I'd say Nev Jetta and also Jordan Lewis. Is in if Jordan Lewis is moving on and he's been best 22 this year... No, he hasn't. Well, he's, he's been, been played he's been, this year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We've got injuries this year. You do have injuries this year, but, so. um, but he potentially could play a role at a club like... I, definitely, the, t- the reason I say Carlton... I mean, not Carlton, Melbourne or St Kilda... Um, or we say that as well, is that these are teams that want to compete now as well. Yeah. Like, it's it's not, not ideal to go to um, North Melbourne who have older players already. I, I would probably say with Melbourne that the thing is that the position he, he'd be going for, we have experience in it. So the reason why I say St Kilda is because I don't think they have the experience in that position or he's better than the incumbent in there. Yeah. Um, whereas I'd say with Melbourne, like Nev Jetta was, I think he was all Australian squad last year. So, you know, when fit, he's a he's a you know elite player in his position. Um, on top of that, you know, we've got Michael Hibbard. We've got we've paid a lot of money for Lever and May and and you know Christian Salem. Potentially, he could help out Christian Salem, allow yeah, Salem go go higher, go forward um, into the wing or something that. I mean, I, I, yeah. He's, just, he's, he, a, he's a better player to have on your list if you should be challenging for a flag, which yes, I, I think yeah. Melbourne should be. He's a better player to have on your list than some of the other depth players that they have. Is in just go, he might be, like, don't offer him any guarantees. Just say, you've got a, got a contract, even a rookie contract. Yeah. Um, and you we, at the moment, see you somewhere between 18 and 30 on our list. But, you know, prove yourself. And, yeah. and you've got a spot round one. Like, as in fight... And yeah, I, I think I think that it, I think that he could offer value to a club, especially the one that's trying to win a flag now. Yeah, absolutely, and he could offer he could offer a lot of value to clubs trying to develop players. So, yep. I mean, look, it, it's he's not the only one we're going to be talking about this way. I guess the reason why we're bringing this up now is, you know, it's just something that we feel needs to be addressed. In that, the AFL has a has a propensity to dispose of um, players who aren't going to be categorised as legends early. So, you know, the players I'm talking about are people like Brennan Goddard. Now, Brennan Goddard will be a St Kilda great, he'll be Essendon great, whatever, and he'll be considered a very good player in the AFL. But because he was seen to have flaws and deficiencies, he was allowed to go early. Yep. And the same thing with Daisy. You know, he's, he's potentially seen to have a few flaws, so they're potentially going to let him go early. But at the end of the day... He would be doing. I'd I'd love to see the champion data ranking of him inside the position he's been playing all year, because I think he would actually be in the top half of the competition. Yeah, 
Easily in the top half. He'd be in the top quarter. Um, He's been very good this year. So we'll just hope that he gets re-signed and that that's just a dodgy rumour. There's a couple of players that are retiring. So Nick Smith um, announced his retirement um, with Sydney. um, And he's obviously um, retired due to injury. Um, Didn't see himself being able to come back. Um, Definitely not... In the short term, and yeah. potentially not ever to the same level in the long term. So, um, decided to hang up the boots, and he's been a star for a long time. Uh, the other one is Jared Roughhead, who we'll, we were probably going to talk about in one of the upcoming podcasts. Yes, yes, um, we will. In, the, in this coming Thursday's podcast with, for the Hawks. Um, but, uh, again, he's announced his retirement, and it looks like he's going to get a, a final game, which is exciting for him. Um, yep. But... Another absolute champion, and he was another player that the Suns were probably considering offering a contract to to help their development. Um, and the AFL probably at the moment doesn't have a system that encourages that kind of free movement of uh, veteran players late in their career, which it should. Like, I mean, they 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 talked about um, Gold Coast talked about trying to get Roughhead across last year. Yes. And Roughhead would have been great at Gold Coast this year. He would have been great for the next two to three years. Well, it just gives some protection to Lacocious. Yeah, exactly. Lacocious to ben King and- Burgess, King, Corbett, all of these young key forwards. They had none. And they could. And Roughhead would have had a best 22 spot for the year. And it would have been a great leader for them on the field. So, I mean, he's retired now, which is fine. Um, and maybe, maybe he'll do a Luke Hodge and come out of retirement yeah, if he gets an enticing enough offer. Um, Make it worth his while. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think that at the moment Australia is or AFL is anywhere near where a lot of the overseas leagues are as far as player movement, um, the freedom of movement, uh, and we're seeing this a lot with the Geelong players now that moved on late in their careers, like James Kelly, um, Paul mm. Chapman. These kind of players that were moving and went and played one or two years at another club of really good quality football that they're still recognized as Geelong legends. And they, they always will be. And yeah. it, it, those last two years don't tarnish their career saying, oh, you were a one-club player or you, you could have been a one-club player. That doesn't really matter. They're still at, at heart like a one-club player. They didn't move in the prime of their career for more money. Yeah. They just moved at the end of their career to extend their career and, um, I guess, open up a new career path. And all right, they just want to do the thing they love. Exactly. Like, at the end of the day, they just want to play football. So... You know, if you're given an opportunity to keep playing footy, why wouldn't you? And and so you can't begrudge people like that. And it's, I mean, it's the same with all player movement. I mean, you can go back to you know when, you know, Melbourne fans livid with Tom Scully. I mean, he was made an offer that no no person in their right mind would refuse. Yeah. Um. Like we like, you just uh, as a Melbourne supporter, I get the frustration and all that. But at the end of the day, when you're talking the numbers that he was being offered, you know what? If he didn't take it, and the AFL created the system that you know where you end up robbing Peter to pay Paul, and that's exactly what happened. And so, don't be angry at Tom, be angry at the system. And, and it's the same thing with this is like you know, we want these champions that have the experience, that have the leadership, that have you know, all this wonderful stuff to offer the young guys coming through the system. You know, we need to be creating something that encourages these guys to stick around and and to give two years to you know a team like the gold coast or or you know chase a premiership with richmond or whatever it is 
you know, there needs to be a system that really helps that. And whether that's, you know, the development of a, almost a, you know, a, a player into coaching style contract. I, I was thinking that um, just then, like as soon as you started, to- as soon as we started talking about this, I was just thinking, could you open up? Um, it'd have to be obviously inside either the player or the soft cap, but a, a an ability to be able to pay uh, a player a certain amount for a coaching Role while they're still yeah, well, that, that's what I mean. So you got the soft cap and you got the salary cap. If you're able to say to Ruffy, "Hey, look, you know, we want, you know, a bit like what um, was the Collingwood Col- Col- guy, Rutten, Ben Rutten, Ben Rutten, the Ruckman. No, no is that, yeah, he's a Ruckman. No, the Ben Ruckman. Hudson, Ben Hudson, Hudson. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, so Ben Hudson Ruck was the like. Ruck coach, and then he ended up back on the list. And you know, rather than doing that, you say, "Well, Ruffy, come up here. We're going to offer you, you know." Let's call it four hundred a year, two hundred under the soft cap, two hundred under the the um, yep the salary cap, you know. And, and as a part of that, he's got to obviously go do his level two or level three coaching or whatever he's met, yep. got to do and and all that. But it gives him that career path, that next step after football, if he wants it. And it gives you know the Gold Coast the ability to to have a bit of money outside the cap as well. So a bit like same way the veterans used to work yeah um i don't mind something like that and you would have have limitations as in they have to have to be over 30 and have to be a contractor within the soft cap and there can only be say one per line as in so you can't just offer somebody additional money one per team yeah fine one per team like you, you would make it pretty clear how it's all drawn out but it would i guess open up a little bit of flexibility to how that thing plays out um, I mean, I even thought of this last year. I mean, we've talked about it all the time with um, Western Bulldogs not having any ruck depth after English. I was saying for a long time, Lewenberger was left um, Essendon last year, should have had a two-year rookie contract um, to be the ruck coach slash a player on the Western Bulldogs list yep. because you can play VFL and if, if what you call it, English is injured, they've got an experienced senior ruckman that's going to come straight in. Yep. But... At every single training session, he's rucking against a 205-centimeter AFL ruckman who's played AFL for over 100 games. He's not playing against a guy who's never played before. He's playing in the sample, yeah. like in Jordan Sweet. And that's nothing against Sweet. I think you need developing rucks, but you also need an established player that they're playing against so that they can learn from them. Absolutely. And that's that's really a big gap in the market. And, you know, I mean, every year we're only talking probably three or four players per year that yep. could potentially move into these roles. Yep. So it, it's really like to say one per team and, and, you know, there's a maximum contract value of X and yeah, that, it's doesn't split have to, like doesn't, doesn't have to be much. It's just like a, a bonus, if anything. It's like we're paying for your coaching development mm-hmm. and we'll pay you 50000 um, and you've got a, like a, it's, you're, you're right, you're contracted for three years. That is either playing or coaching and coaching is at a guaranteed value of X. As in, if you if you get injured and you want to move into full time coaching, we'll, we, we'll do that. And this is how long your contract's for. So it's yeah. a it's a movable contract that allows a bit of flexibility there. Absolutely, I love that. Um, and I guess from that we'll move into last our, part of this episode. Yeah, yeah, the fantasy keepers, I guess. And this is a, it's probably. Uh, what we call it a fantasy power board. So this was our, yeah. our kind of ranking one to twenty five of of the players from this draft um, in a fantasy sense. And and the key, as John said before, 
is about um, points over the career. Um, and so obviously there's a weighting to early points um, over over probably guys that'll be more development scope. Um, so there are some guys who you probably won't get um, high points out of for, for three or four years, um, and they're probably pushed a little bit lower in our list, um, whereas um, the guys that will score early and score properly um, uh, definitely are higher up. So start us off, Johnny. Number yeah. one. Well, yeah. Well, let's do it. Let's do it in little five five round bursts. Yeah. Um, so, for, the first five players in the draft board are Matt Rao, Noah Anderson, Tom Green, Will Gould, and Hayden Young. So these these guys are probably the top five on our board anyway. Um, just slightly adjusted positions. So Anderson has more scope uh, potentially, but I can see Rao being a very long term inside midfielder. You're probably um, talking about you know a, a Pendlebury style scoring versus your more Robbie Gray style, you know, big, small, big, small in Anderson, whereas yep. Rao will be consistent numbers. Not saying they'll be, you know, they're not, the, yeah, the they're, they're, not, they're not, not player comparisons, but but in terms of their scoring, I guess patterns. Yep, that's probably where they sit. Yeah, they're two, they're two high scope players in the draft, and Tom Green probably after that, just because he'll have the capacity once he builds an AFL tank um, to be like a JPK type or a Tom uh, Tom uh, Tom Oliver. Clayton Oliver, Paddy Cripps, um, yeah, just th- those cons- quite, consistent big, contested ball. big body contested ball. So um, you hope if they're an SC player that they're averaging north of 105, um, yeah. which which you could achieve. The next two players are both defenders, um, or I think at AFL level um, will probably score as defenders. Hayden Young maybe a defender mid, yeah. um, but Will Gould, uh, his long kicking uh, and his set marking, he'll end up scoring probably like what we're seeing Shannon Hearn. If these these are of course all if they develop into the player that they can be. Yeah. Um Will Gould will end up in that Shannon Hearn role and that is valuable as a defender. Um when you've got positional players, um, even though there might be players on this list that will average higher than him, um, he's got the potential to be a, a very high ranked defender for a long time. Yeah, well it's it also comes back to how they score. So, you know, effective kicks are just over fifty metres you get an effective kick. Well He's one of the him and Hayden Young are both guys that can kick over fifty and do kick long a lot. Yeah. So and they're also high meters gained players. Um, so you know I, I think those well, two things combine. Will we'll Good will Good will take the kick ins. Yeah, as well. I, I'd say like from round one next year, Will Good could take the kick ins at AFL. He could. I don't think you'll get it round one. I don't think they'll give it to him. <laughs> it really depends on the club. To be fair, like I mean, yeah, if true. he if he goes to uh, Kangaroos. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that they have any lethal kicks in the back line. He's probably got the longest kick and the best accuracy coming out of defence. Um, at the moment, they just have Tarrant um, or whoever's closest. So yeah, he could play that role. It just depends on which club these guys go to, obviously. Yeah. Um, you want to take us through the next five? Yep, yeah, we got uh, Lockie Ash, Devin Robertson, Caleb Sarong, Dylan Stevens, and Harry Schoenberg. Um, Ash, again, um, a lot like the, the previous two. Um, he's a high meters game player, um, takes the game on, averages, you know, I think at AFL average, it'll probably be about 18 to 20 possessions a game. But yeah. he's he ta- like he's running bounces, high meters gained, um, is it, kicks, that, kicks long, and a reasonably good decision maker. He's a good decision maker. Gills need some cleaning. I, I think he's high risk, high reward. Um, like I think that Ash could be one of the best players in this draft. Uh, he also could be a flop. 
Um, yeah. He, like, I mean, he could end up, um, not saying that this player is a flop, but he could end up as a, at his best, he's Jasper Pittard, where he's uh, like one of those players that you're constantly frustrated by because of basic skill execution errors, but then at other times he absolutely makes a play that makes you think, wow, I can't believe he did that. Sam Frost. Yeah, exactly. That's that's his that's his not his ceiling, his floor. But he could also be one of the best defenders of all time. Um, like as in better than um, Jason Johannesson. That's a big call. Not not as good not as good a kick, but he's a better decision maker and he's way more aggressive with his running. Like not Yeah, I think that and I think that's where that's where he will score well is because he's aggressive and when his plays come off they're gonna be big point plays. Like he yeah. he's consistently through the championships he was Involved in Vic Country scoring chains yeah. with Hayden Young as well. Yeah. So the two of them combined, high scoring chains. Devin Robertson, a lot like Tom Green, inside midfielder, going to get his hands on it. He's a bit of a ball hog. Caleb Sarong, it really just depends on how he's played at AFL. If he's played as a midfielder forward, I think he's going to be an excellent pickup. Yeah. If he's drafted as a forward, the way Jack Higgins has gone. Yeah. Then you know he probably slips down this list. So and, uh, it's a but, bit of a buyer beware. Uh, even if he plays as a pure mid, if he plays as a pure mid, I don't think that he's going to score as well as some of these players because I think that his ability is way more around like like Robbie Gray. I know he's been compared to Robbie Gray. I don't think he's as good as Robbie Gray well, or or a similar to Robbie Gray. I just mean someone that kicks goals as well as plays in the midfield because if he doesn't have that to his game, he's a short midfielder. Um, that's probably not as good at the tough stuff um, as as your Devin Robinson's type, mm. and he's not as good at the skillful stuff as your Dylan Stevens, who's out, who's the next pick, who's an yeah. outside ball user. I think we've got him. We've got him at eight because I guess in terms of overall scoring ability, if he can reflect his juniors, it's there. It's there is a very good scoring ability there. Like he was a very, I think he averaged one of the highest across the uh, yeah, champs this year. So. He can score well, but he's got to have the role. So, buyer beware for the fantasy guys. Make sure you're very clear about what he he is and what he's going to be at AFL level, and you'll probably have to do a bit of research before picking him up. So, Dylan Stevens, as you said, next. Dylan Stevens. Outside midfielder. Outside midfielder. Pretty um, unique outside midfielder as well uh, in the way that he looks like uh, Gaff. When Gaff plays, is in high number of outside possessions and a lot of running, but he applies a extraordinary amount of pressure for a player that plays outside football, which is really, really rare. So, uh, I, I, I honestly don't know how he's going to go in a full time system. He he just needs weight. I think so he definitely needs weight. But I mean, he's, he's killing probably it. two years down the track. He's killing it in the sample. I'd say he's just a good long-term midfielder, and you just have to hold him and wait, as you said, because he's got to build weight. Um, and Schoenberg, um, ball hog, yeah, possession. Le- less less of a ball hog than um, than say Robinson and a couple of those other guys near the top, um, and definitely has some explosive elements to his game, which could translate. But he's again. Pretty much every player that we're going to go through on now, because they're not guaranteed hits um, or, yeah. or pretty much guaranteed hits, have got a big element of risk to them. And Schoenberg's a player that, in my mind, could flop um, at, at AFL level. Um, yeah. and, I, and I probably use the word flop too easily. Um, I don't necessarily mean that they're not going to make it at the level, but just uh, not... Fantasy pick flop. Yeah, just yeah, exactly. Not, not ever be the player in fantasy that you want him to be. Um, might be a good role player at AFL level. 
Next five. Sam Flanders, Trent Bianco, Jeremy Sharp, Brody Kemp, and Mitch O'Neill. So, obviously, in this list, Brody Kemp, you're picking long-term. He would be higher on this list um, because he can play a variety of positions at, at fantasy, which will be useful. He'll probably always be a dual-position player. Yes. Uh, but he's got an ACL injury. So, I mean, I wouldn't be considering him early with an early selection just because you're not going to do anything with him for the next 12 months. If you've, and, got, if you've got multiple picks in the teens or something, I, I could. But it, I it, would just roll the dice there because I think he's worth locking away. But you're thinking about um, the reality of a keeper league wrong as well. Because remember, in a keeper league, if you've got this guy who's just going to sit on your bench for 12 months and you took him with a pick 15, when you see a good player that's on the free agency board or anything like that that you want to re-sign, you'll just drop him. And you'll drop him for nothing and you'll pick up a player that you think might be better than him just because they're playing well now. That, that's, that's the reality. That's why I say if you've got multiple picks... Or if you've got like a if you've got a keeper league that allows you to have up to say fifty players or forty four players, yeah. um, and some of them don't that's, have to necessarily. That's the way I'm thinking. Of it. Yeah, exactly. It wouldn't be in a keeper league if you're doing it um, like just one of the standard ones where you've got uh, maybe maybe between twenty two and thirty. But if you've got more than thirty picks, he's a bargain for a, for a late turf. Yeah, late late teen pick. I reckon. Yeah, um, probably. Obviously, Sam Flanders has... Oh, the guy, I mean, we're split on him, but, I mean, Sam Flanders, to me, has um, as much upside, if not more, than Caleb Sarong. Um, I think yeah. at AFL level, he... No, we're not, we're not, let's put on that. I think he has that much upside. I think he has the much more downside than Sarong. Yeah, well. okay, yeah. His floor's a lot lower, but yeah. he, in terms of, um, I guess, for, for keepers, he's, um, he's going to score very similar to Sarong. I think... Given he's a little bit bigger, um, he could probably um, look to play next year. Uh, although I can see an element of, I guess, Eli Smith with him um, in that he's, he's, he's ready, he's capable, body and everything. But he he probably needs to learn the AFL structures, which yeah. will, will be why he won't play. Yeah. Whereas Sarong... Build, build a tank and learn the structures, whereas Sarong is... No, he's got the tank. I don't, I'm not worried about his tank. It's just I think he plays very individually. So... It'll be his. He, the only thing that will stop him coming into the AFL early next year will be his compliance with whatever system that he has to learn. Yeah. Whereas, which is Sar- which is huge in AFL. Yeah. And whereas Sarong, I feel, is just you know he's he's just going to do it. Yep. Um But yeah, I mean, you could you could flip a coin between those two at, at anywhere after pick six, I reckon. Yeah. In, in a keeper league, and you'd be okay. Yep. The other, the other two, Bianco and Sharp, are both much more ready players. So Sharp will be a pretty long term defender for anyone, and I think that he could probably play next year, given that he's had reasonable working form. And I think he'll get he'll get dual position as well. Yeah, and Bianco will probably get dual position as well as it sort of um, uh, Caleb Daniel defender mid uh, and he's racks up a lot of possession so he's potentially a player that could I don't think necessarily play a whole lot of football year one but could score very well year one yeah if he's playing uh, then I'd say that he'd be one of the rookies that will start in classic as well so he's someone to consider uh, Mitch O'Neill long-term good prospect in the midfield so might play some games good, good next ball year. User. He, he, he'll score yeah. well because he hits targets consistently. Yeah, I, I can say, I, yeah, he's just going to look like, looks like a long term player. Uh, next five. Uh, we got Trent Rivers, uh, Big Lukey Jackson, Cody Waitman, Jack Mead, and Riley Baldy. 
Um, Rivers, big body, ready to go, midfielder. Um, yeah, prob- probably gets probably gets dual position as well, midfield yeah. defence. Um, Jack Mead, very similar. Um, Luke Jackson, I mean, we rate him a lot higher than this, but uh, given he's a ruckman, he'll take time. Um, a bit like if anyone picked up Tim, Tim English three years ago, you're probably looking at a, a three to four year hole before he really takes off. And you probably delisted him before you actually got to get the value out of him because you need points earlier. And that's the hardest thing with these guys is that if you're going to, like, I think that Luke Jackson will be I think probably we've... the best scorer out of all of these players. Like, as in, yeah. well, like, you think about who scores the best in AFL right now. Yeah. Brody Grundy. But over their careers, I think. Brody Grundy, Max. Oh, of course, yeah, not yeah. like total points over the course of their career, but just ceiling. Um, and maybe he'll have three seasons of scoring above 120. Yeah. Um, but he's a ruckman, so he's going to take seven years to get there. Yeah, I think with, um, with Jackson, probably, again, like, I would say we've done this list in the mind of you've got over 30 on your list. Um, if you go under 30, um, you're probably going to give more weight to the guys we've mentioned who are AFL ready. Um, so with that, um, Cody Waitman's probably a good choice up forward. Um, very AFL ready, has AFL-like pressure, um, kicks goals, very much knows where the goals are, high tackle rate, high defensive pressure, all the stuff that you know, kind of good uh, small forwards do, he does well as well. So he's a, he's a handy pickup up forward. Um, with Riley Baldy, I mean, um, Riley Baldy is another one of those guys that gets a lot of the ball. Yeah. Um, so yeah. there's there's a couple of guys in this next section that'll be like similar. Um, he's a gets a lot of the ball, scored really well in the champs, um, and he's got the potential to play early just because of his ball hog and his, his physical yeah, abilities, but, but probably he, not a super high ceiling player. Yeah, he's probably the guy you you you, you pick with the idea that you're going to hold him for probably two years and then. He'll be out of your side um, just because someone, another type like him will come in. Yeah. Um, and like even last year, like a player like him, you probably would have taken within your pick 40s or something. Yeah, well, I mean, he could go theoretically between 15 and 50 um, just because of the way that this draft is. You know, he's, yeah. not, he's not overly tall either. So yeah. um, Jay Rantel, um, similar to Baldy as in he's a ball hog, um, gets, scores reasonably well. Um, at the champs and at school level, but not necessarily super high ceiling. Could be anywhere between fifteen and fifty, depending yeah. on depending on where, depending on what kind of play you're looking for. Um, that, that's where they'll go in the actual draft. But for fantasy, they'll probably be reasonably relevant early first couple of years. Jack, Jack Marnie, Marnie. Um, probably will get forward mid eligibility um, and scored really well um, at the champs and stuff. He's just a player that I don't necessarily rate, even though. He probably, if we rated him higher on our actual draft list, he might be higher in this list as well. No, look, I think I think the problem with him for AFL is going to be size, and that's a lot of it with these guys. Is yeah, I mean he he is a very very talented player, um, and you saw that in the champs. But he is very small, and there's a lot of small players in this draft. And realistically, you know how many how many clubs are running. You know, one seventy centimeter players. There's not a lot of them, so Def- definitely not like guys between one seventy and one eighty that are playing midfield. Yeah, they're, they're, that's super rare. Like typically, you you reserve them for very small forwards. Or well, I could see I could see Marnie carving a career as a as a small forward, and and being very good at it, and then doing the odd pinch hit through the midfield because yeah, he, yeah. he you know at the champs he was just able to you know out of the middle follow up work. 
He reads ball off the hands quite well. Um, I think in terms of for keepers, he's he's worth a punt because I think he'll play early. Yeah. Um, probably he's probably a bit like um, uh, Charlie Spargo. Yeah, um, it's, it's not a bad comparison. He's probably a little bit more skillful than Spargo, but not as good through the midfield. Um, Next and one. So Dylan Dylan Williams and Cam Tahini, which are no, Cam Tahini's twenty three and Dylan Williams twenty four, are both guys that are high ceiling, high uh, low floor. Um, both could play next year. Both could be really good. I probably don't know. I, I probably don't think that Williams is going to make it, and I think that Tahini will. Um, but I'm not really. It's yeah, a toss well, of a coin. One of them might make it. Well, I, yeah, I really rate Tahini, so I, I think I'd definitely take him probably higher than we've got him on this list personally. I think that um, given his form at Sandful Seniors... Um, yeah, I, mean, I like him and, I like him better than all the guys up to Bianco. But in a keeper league for fantasy, I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. I, I look, th- I, I, yeah, I might take him, you know, in that bracket above 16 to 20. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's, he's certainly... Um, when he's on, he hits he hits the scoreboard, so he will score big. Yeah. But he's his scoring will be like every kind of um, semi-tall forward, kind of that general forward, I guess, size, where it'll be very sporadic. So he'll he'll get a hundred, and then he'll get general general forwards forward. are really hard as well. So I mean, I rate the reason I rate Tahini over Williams is obviously Tahini's form has been at Sample level, not last year at under 18s level, which is what mm. Williams was. But also guys that aren't like super quick, super explosive that play that mid forward sort of role or forward um, general forward sort of role, really hard to transition. There are a lot of guys that have gone in the top 15 in the actual draft that have just not panned out at AFL level because they just don't have, they've got great traits at under 18 level for kicking bags goals, but not translatable traits into AFL. Um, And that's. It's something that you get like you're gonna to have to be wary of is with these guys. It might end up being high draft picks as whether they have translatable skills. So the lucky last, last, lucky last is Liam Henry. This guy definitely has translatable skills and will be a long term AFL player. I've no doubt about that at all. Yeah, but it's just on what his scoring capacity is going to be. I mean, at his absolute ceiling, it's, it's high. Well, I mean, his absolute like yeah, in one game well, ceiling. It's, it's, yeah, that's well, his, his one game ceiling is enormous. But he's going to end up having playing score like zero. Like Cyril or Hill. Um, And and I don't mean to just um, say that he's like Indigenous players, but... No, no. Like, you you watch Liam Henry and you do think... He's a low-possession, high-impact player. Yeah, he's a low-possession, high-impact player. And Stephen Hill is in a half-back slash wing that can run all day. Orazio Fantasia. Yeah, exactly. Move move into the forward line. But again, it's hard for those guys to string together um, really high consistent seasons um, rather than just individual scores. I think that Liam Henry actually has a lot of possibility for that because I reckon that he'll end up playing more wing halfback than he will uh, forward. Um, So you're talking like a Conor McKenna, maybe? uh, That's why I'm I'm saying Stephen Hill, just because of his... He's got a better running capacity than McKenna. But yeah, similar role. But I'd say more midfield um, than McKenna, which is why... Like Hill, because Hill played... Wing, yeah. wing his whole career, and towards the end of his career, started moving more towards back wing, yeah. um, or forward wing. And I'd say that he he's definitely going to play that role. He probably won't ever be an inside midfielder, but yeah, uh, 
He's down. He's down here because it's going to take him a couple of years to make it at AFL level. Yeah, I think he's just he's just got. Um, I definitely agree. He's a long term prospect, and it's just again, how long can you hold? So yeah. with all with all these guys, if they if if Liam Henry and Luke Jackson don't play for a full year and they're not named in round one in the second year, are you going to keep them or are you going to drop them? Yeah, that's... you've got you've got to be prepared to keep them if you're going to draft those long term guys because. Yeah. Um, as much as you might think that you can wait, a lot of times you can't. So just know yourself with these kind of drafts and yeah, yeah. And, and draft to that because you don't want to end up wasting your picks. And if you are going to, then just trade the pick. Don't, I mean, don't, don't keep it. And I guess for spoilers who said he's got four and six, I mean, if he ended up with Will Gould and Lockie Ash, I think he'd be pretty happy. Yeah, those are the guys that are at that position. I mean, really, just a lot of it depends on needs because a lot of these guys, it's a really hard draft. I, compared to the one two years back with Caulfield and Hunter Clark and all those kind of guys, I reckon that 50% more from this draft will be guns and 50% more will be flops. I think that it's going to be a way way more inconsistent draft, whereas I think all of your Hunter Clarks, your Caulfields, all these guys are eventually going to make it as role players at AFL level, yeah. but they don't have the ceiling of the guys in this draft. Yeah, 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 that's fair. Um, so it's probably a good, good kind of wrap up there. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a um, fair analysis. Yeah. Uh, so thanks, um, thanks for reaching out to us about that episode, spoilers. Um, and uh, for anyone else that wants us to cover a specific topic, um, just let us know uh, on Twitter. You can reach out to us on email. Just our names at listics.com um, if you want to reach out to us. Um, and yeah, keep listening out to the list review episodes, and and just and just make sure you know you just put a kind word about how good my hosting is, and and we'll make sure the episode happens. All right, <laughs> see, see you later, guys. Um, we're gonna we're gonna end it there. Chat to you soon. If you constantly worry that the worst is going to happen, you're not alone. One in four Australians will experience anxiety. No one anxiety is talking. Visit Beyond Blue to start a life beyond anxiety.